In the following live session recording, Ben O'Neill, Security Manager with Operations, Georgia Baptist Mission Board, leads a session on responding to an active shooter. This session will center around preventative measures and actions for churches to take to discourage an active shooter. The discussion will include actions to take if your church has an active shooter and the gun laws in the state of Georgia. Let's join Ben now. All right, we're going to just drive on. My name is Ben O'Neill. I'm the security manager for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And um, I'm here to serve Georgia Baptist churches with their security programs. It's a, it's a recently made up position. Um, I was a consultant for them for about three years. And uh, when I finished my last career, I had no idea. But the day after I finished, they asked me if I wanted a job. And here I am. So, uh, you know, what, basically what I do is I travel to your church and do exactly what I said. Uh, anything that you need from a security standpoint, uh, each church is different. Each church has its own set of circumstances, um, different buildings. Most churches are pieced together. Uh, as you get money, there's an addition added. Uh, then you have to think about cameras and and how that's gonna affect your children's area and how your church is gonna work through all these crazy doors and hallways and all this stuff, right? And so um, I'm gonna go through this. This is a way, it's not necessarily the way, but uh, you can take the information that we talk about and, it, and it's contoured to your certain church, all right? Um, I do, come on, uh, I do, recommend that you get a credible source for some kind of training whether it's weapons training or security training or whatever if you don't want me to come to your church get somebody that has a credible background that can be verified because there's a lot of make-believers out there there's a lot of people that have come to your church and charge uh, three four five hundred dollars for a day of, of training and they watch the youtube video and think that they're a security professional so uh, just get somebody credible so a little bit about me, uh, on March the 1st, I started my life as a civilian. I did 23 years in the United States Army. Uh, first 11 years, I was an enlisted guy and uh, got selected for officer candidate school and ended up retiring a major. Military policeman my entire career, uh, five deployments, four to Afghanistan, one to Iraq. Uh, when my last trip over to Afghanistan, uh, my job was to train all of the civilian interpreters that came in the country on how to secure themselves and the people they were partnering with in small areas. So there may be groups of people in a, in a room this size and basically survivability, right? So there's a lot of times civilians wouldn't carry weapons. So how, how do you get yourself out of a bad position? I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a master's degree in uh, security management. So, when I was in the Captain Screw course back in 2012, I had to do my capstone class, my final class for my degree. And I thought, well, I, I want to do something that's non-traditional for my thesis. Um, and that's where kind of all this, this security work started. So I decided I'd do my thesis on terrorist attacks on places of worship. And so as I went out into town, into little old St. Roberts outside of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, I picked three different churches and started to gather data. And it was eye-opening with the issues that churches face weekly. 
whether you have a staff there during the week, um, whether you, your ladies are there by themselves, if you have a school there, if you have uh, things that happen like the recessions that drive all kind of people towards words like, uh, we need some more chairs. So whether there's words outside of your building that drive people to come seek help like ministry or Baptist or the cross or something like that. Uh, especially during the recession, a lot of people started to see a lot of problems happening in their church. It's typically if somebody comes up to your church and asks for money or handouts or something and you don't give it to them, what's the next thing that happens? They get upset and mad. So now you're outside in a parking lot with this guy that you don't know and it's just you and him. How bad can that turn ugly? How quick can that turn ugly? And what's the epidemic that's going on in the United States right now that can triple and quadruple that interaction? Homelessness, what else? Meth, opioids, any kind of drugs and just pure anger, all right? And ask your local police and they will tell you a guy his size may take three or four of me to get him on the ground. Mm -hmm. But now you find yourself outside in the parking lot by yourself with this guy. How bad can that be? Pretty bad, right? And then the secondary and third order effects of this are, well, I don't know if I'm safe in our church anymore. And I don't know if, if I can go there and bring my kids there anymore. So we don't want to discourage our outreach and our missions programs, right? All right. Extensive... Uh, Anti-terrorism and uh, weapons background. Uh, one of my greatest duties in the world was being the personal security for a three-star general. I traveled to 24 countries with him. Um, just great career, but glad it's over. So I started this company, North Georgia Security Consultants, which uh, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board became one of my clients. And then the day after I retired, they offered me a job. So I get to serve all of you now, which my buy-in is that I'm a Christian man, and I believe wholeheartedly in what I'm doing and the safety of your churches. So I hope that I can serve you guys at some point. So I came up with a mission statement. Um, I like to start off with a mission statement, some key tasks, kind of why we're doing this. Why are we here? A lot of churches will just do a hand wave and say, our security is good. Or so-and-so is a prior military guy. He's got our security. What does he do? I don't know. So try to get away from the hand wave and start actually putting some information on paper, <coughs> conducting rehearsals, conducting training, and making it an effective program. All right? So we want to provide a realistic, effective, and proactive security approach that encourages a safe, mission-focused environment, fostering trust and confidence across the church's community and mission areas. It doesn't just stop at your church. Who here sends out missionaries every year? What about them? Right? Going overseas, finding out where they're going, what kind of threat is over there, all kinds of different things. I do country briefs for the college mission kids every single year. I tell them what the crime rate is, what it looks like after dark, what it looks like during the day. And those are our kids. Those are our teenagers, our college students. All right? So let's talk about some key tasks. What do we want to do? We want to serve, right? 
We want to create a safe environment conducive to worshiping and learning. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes into your church and they kill and or hurt one, two, three, four people, your congregation is going to dissipate. Mm -hmm. People are not going to come to a place that they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Right? So I believe that during the process, there is a, a, a covert and an overt, per se, right? So there's covert folks that we have in our congregation that are holding certain positions, maybe carrying weapons if you're a carry permit church. And then there's people with their earpieces in that people can actually see doing the job, right? So it's a mixture, okay? We want to respond to various campus incidents and calls for aid. Service the community providing a variety of services and assistance by the use of trained employees and church staff. How important is it that we train the people that work in our children's therapy? If something happens in your church, what is it likely going to be? Some kind of domestic issue, right? Right. So children, whatever it may be, um, couples going through a divorce, guy hasn't seen his kids in weeks, and he's there to get his kids out of Sunday school. And you tell him that he can't come and pick up their kid because you've already been notified about it. And he says, I'm going to, that's my son. I'm going to pick my son up. How do you deal with that? Right? Safeguarding church property and equipment to prevent and or minimize physical loss. What does every church in Georgia have behind the pulpit that costs a lot of money? Preacher. <laughs> I'm done. Any questions? <laughs> what do we have? What do we have have behind the pulpit? Music equipment, right? Yeah, music. How many times do you think that you can replace that music equipment before it starts becoming a problem? I'll be one. All right. So we want to safeguard our equipment because our budgets. A lot of times our budgets are already low. We have small churches that don't bring in a lot of money, right? So we have to safeguard our equipment. Crime prevention, provide educational programs to select personnel which cultivate safety and security awareness. How many people have churches that have elders and other folks in it that really get nervous around the word security? Get nervous about just the thought of it. Ours did until it, until it uh, actually happened. What happened? We had a, a man and woman came in, and they done it on Wednesday night, their first time in there. Uh, and I was working at the computer, getting things ready for the night. That night service, I had already had a group of young people sitting up front, and they came in and asked what restrooms were. Well, one young person told them what to run, but I didn't recognize the voice. And then when I looked up, I seen the lady went on through the door and the man was circling around the book. Never where the piano was at. Well, he comes out, I quit doing what I'm doing. I go start to meet him up there and sort of get the situation quickly under control. And, and he came out and he says, I'm taking this hand sanitizer and this roll of paper towels. What you going to do about it? I said, apparently you need some hand sanitizer. Because <laughs> I noticed she's got the door open. She's got the front doors open. The vehicle that they were in, the doors was open. And his hand was in his pocket. And I said, this dude is up 
it's going to get worse if I don't answer to direct him on out. I said, uh, are y'all coming to stay for worship tonight? He says, no. I said, okay, uh, you got your hand sanitizer. You said you're taking it. I said, if you need the hand sanitizer and paper towels, I said, go. Oh, I don't really need the paper towels. I said, just take this hand sanitizer and y'all be on your way. And fortunately, by the grace of God, they, they went on. All the week, though, they came back. By then, you know, uh, at this time, we don't have no security. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, you know, we didn't have anything, but I had been talking to uh, my retired uh, sheriff's deputy and my retired, I had two retired sheriff deputies in the life of the church. And I said, guys, this needs, we need a security team. And so uh, we started enacting what we needed to do. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just got through contacting you. You helped us greatly. It was adopted to our constitution and bylaws. Appreciate your help in that. And, uh, you know, but Simpson, they came back three times. Mm-hmm. And the second time they came back, my two deputies sat beside They got so nervous, they got up and left. <laughs> and, uh, so let me, let me ask you about that. Your deputy sat beside them, right? You work in uniform and civilian clothes. They were in civilian clothes. Did it discourage any worship, worship or learning? No. Right? Subtle moves, right? Right. Subtle moves were best. Right? Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Because we didn't broadcast a lot about what we were doing to the church family just due to that issue. Yeah. Uh, and so at that time, my son, he's with the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. You got to come make a report before we can use it. You didn't call, so you got to come back. Went down, made a report, and when they uh, I made a report and everything, and so they start doing their work. They came back the third time on a Sunday morning. Their, you know, their plans at that time were to engage whatever it was they were going to do, but it was thwarted because of the, by that time our security team had grown. Great. We had two sit beside them, two sitting behind. Them. You know, and I'm at the pulpit to do what I need to do. And so, uh, and, and we came up with a, you know, in the middle of my speaking, if I go Acts 9 11, mm-hmm. just think about it. Someone act 911. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And it works. Great. That's great. Because they meant to do harm. That's right. You know. Granted, you don't want to have to do what you got to do as far as weapons go and everything. But I want to tell you what, for the sake of your community, for the sake of those that comes under your watch care, as a pastor under your watch care, you got to protect your shield. That's right. I like that accent on the mm-hmm. Yeah. I usually use Christmas. Merry Christmas in July. But it's a distress work. It's a distress work. Well, Acts 9 says go out into the way that's straight. Yeah. Call upon one who is solved. Well, the key part of that is call now one. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. Of course, if I would have been sitting beside him, I would have reached up to him. That's what began to happen. You know, you know, you know, and, and, and they sent set once again, and by that time, things got taken care of in a way that it didn't disturb the, yep. the, the flow of worship. Not to discourage learning and worship. You know, uh, they when they got up, they were as you know followed out, and the matter has been taken care of. 
but because I am ruled by vocation missionary caster, you know, in most of those areas, but well, this won't happen here. Yes, it will. There's nobody exempt. There is no longer we are a small country church that will not happen to us. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. Thanks for sharing that. that, that that's good, good information. We want to bring awareness to and provide education and training on de-escalation of harassment, intimidation, and domestic violence. Over 75% of all situations in your church can be solved by what? Talking to them. Talking to somebody. And that is a nationwide statistic also with law enforcement. And we want to cultivate a community of responsibility, caring, and willingness to report possible situations. How many of you have gotten out and talk to the people that live around your church, whether they're at your church as a member or not. Yeah. And what did you? Why'd you do that? Well, just to <coughs> introduce, invite, just mm-hmm. outreach. For, started out with, but just getting to know the type of people that's around the church and who they are, and better ways to serve them becomes first and foremost for their service. Wouldn't it be nice? If even though they're not members of your church, somebody called you because they had your information and said, there's a big box truck packed up in front of your church, and there's equipment going out the front door. And your response is either going to be, that's not supposed to be there, or, yeah, I know who it is. So develop that relationship with the people that are around your church, because they'll want to help. They'll want to help. Right? All right, so we hear active shooter, right? Active shooter, active shooter. We see it on TV. We hear about it all the time, but nobody ever tells you really what it is, right? Because the the news isn't necessarily built to to give you information on and educate you on what it is. They just there's an agenda there. All right, so me being a non-traditional guy, I'm not going to run straight into active shooter and what to do. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do some some statistical data, and then we're going to get into the response piece, all right? All right, so an active shooter is an individual actively engaged in killing or attempting to kill people in a confined and populated area. Essentially, what an active shooter is, is you are my target, no matter where we're at, and everything between me and you is collateral damage. I will destroy, doesn't matter race, age, creed, doesn't matter. You're my target. Everything between me and him is going to be destroyed. All right. In most cases, active shooters use firearms. I can't say I've ever heard an active shooter that used uh, a knife, but uh, there's no pattern or method to their selection of, of victims. Active shooter situations are unpredictable and evolve quickly. Typically, the only way an active shooter is stopped is what? There's two of them. One is police response, and two is what active shooters usually do. Commit suicide, right? But we can change that. We can change that. Okay, and that's that's what we're here for. All right. Typically, the immediate deployment of law enforcement is required to stop all shootings and mitigate harm to victims. Active shooter situations usually evolve between ten and fifteen minutes. Really, it's more like seven to twelve. They really happen quick. They're dynamic and a lot of force behind it. Um, Individuals must be prepared both mentally and physically to deal with an active shooter situation. Out of my people that carry concealed in this room, 
how many of you really think that you can pull out a weapon and stick it in somebody's face? Good. I'll tell you, statistically, most people can't. Who are my deer hunters? Let me find out who's been hunting. How long have you been hunting, sir? 20 years. 30 20 years. When's the last time you killed a deer? Last season. All right, so think back when you, you, you saw your first deer and you raised up your, your rifle and you were getting ready to, to kill this deer. What was going on with your body? Oh, a lot of adrenaline, a lot of right? shock, a lot of heart beating, what happened last year when you did it? Oh, pretty calm. Really? <laughs> well, Killer. We were going to tell you. on my team. But still, you're right. Most people will respond. You still have, you still have, you still have the, the heartbeat. Because you know you're about to take the life of something. So imagine pointing a weapon at a person. Can I do it? Absolutely. It's been three years in the Army. But that's the way I'm wired. But most people can't. They like the thought of carrying a weapon, but they don't necessarily want to pull it out and point it at somebody. Right? So let's talk about some statistics. From uh, 2000 to 2013, the FBI did a data pool. And their data pool, they wanted to see how many active shooter situations or incidents were out there. So across the entire 13, 14 years, sorry, there was Across the entire 14-year uh, data pool, there was approximately 11.4 incidents that happened annually. 6.4 over the first seven years, and then over the next seven years, what happened? It more than doubled. So 6.4 to 16.4 over a seven-year period. 70% of all incidents occurred in either commerce, business, or educational environments. 2014 and 15 had 20 each year. So that went up again from 16 to 20. 60% of all incidents uh, happened before police arrived, or ended before police arrived. And then 2017, there were 39 mass shootings. Let me tell you why this is very discouraging and crazy. The data pool only consisted of four or more casualties. So imagine the ones, twos, and threes, how the numbers go up. Now that may not affect you much in a, a mall or a, a store, but when you're dealing with your church and you're trying to grow, that's devastating, all right? So 160 incidents, 1,043 casualties, 486 were killed, 557 were wounded. So imagine what happened in the later part of 2017 and all of 2018. What did we have? The synagogue? All the schools, Parkland schools. Sutherland Springs, Texas. El Paso. I mean, we can go on and on and on, right? But nothing is more at stake than our churches. Because I mean we're at battle every day, right? And we're trying to we're trying to teach and encourage our young people to go out and spread the good news. And if we if we take them out of this, it's not good. Places of worship, same data pool, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand fifteen. 
364, or um, I'm sorry, 1,198 deadly force incidents occurred in places of worship. 364 related in death or uh, resulted in death of others. Domestic violence, personal conflict, and robbery were the three main contributors to this. These are our churches. Who knows what this is? You might know what that is. Texas. Southern Springs, Texas. How many people were in congregation that morning? 58. 58 people in congregation. 26 died. The youngest was 18 months old. The oldest was 77. Anybody know why he was there? Yep. Mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. So he got out of his car. He was dressed in black from head to toe. And he had an AR-15 strapped across his chest. So security starts where? In the parking lot, right? Yes. All right. So had we made some adjustments, and, I, and I'm not discounting anything they did. Unfortunately, their situation made us all better. But think of this in your own church. Your security starts in your parking lot. If you see that, you, you could have really cut down on the casualties or not had any at all, right? So just remember that. Dylan Roof in Charleston, South Carolina, what was significant about what he did? What did he do before he shot all those people? He sat in a Bible study with them for an, over an hour. Right? He left one lady alive. You know what he told her? I'm not going to kill you so that you can tell my story. And then he walked out of the building. He walked down the road. This is the part you didn't hear on the news. And he went to another church and he tried to get in and the doors were locked. Mm -hmm. How many people locked their doors during service? That could have been your church. Mm -hmm. That could have been your church you tried to unlock. All right. And then Dayton, Ohio. Unfortunately, we just saw what happened in Dayton. Was that the Walmart or was it? Yeah, that was Walmart. Okay. Walmart was in El Paso. The nightclub. All right. Um, so a guy walks into church, walks up to the pulpit, looks at the pastor and says, hey, how are you doing? The pastor says, I'm doing fine. How are you? I haven't seen you in a while. He said, well, that's okay. He pulls out a gun and he shoots and kills him. The pastor was his brother. So you just, you, I'm saying that you don't ever know. You just don't ever know. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. But as we start to integrate and our security programs, and I come to your church, me being a very proactive guy, I'm going to teach you the behaviors, the indicators, why you need to engage that person in September in South Georgia that's wearing a full length duster, how they're dressed, are they welcoming, are they standoffish, are they pushing you away with their eyes, are they inviting? You can learn a lot about people when they get out of their car on Sunday morning. Do they get out of their car and look around and go? Well, thanks. You just so you just don't know what you're doing. If I'm going to fight with Christy, you better believe it's going to be on the way to church on Sunday morning, right? So you can learn a lot about people's behaviors. All right. So active shooter response. The FBI recommends the run hide fight. Anybody ever heard of run hide fight? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. 
I'm not crazy about the run part. This is just my way. This is not the way. And this is why. More and more we're seeing how many shooters? More than one. And they're smart. Send the first guy in, start shooting, flush people out, other guys outside. So for me, I am not crazy on the run part, but I'm gonna go over it. And if you, if you implement that into your security plan, that's good for you. But there's one thing you've got to do, and that's make sure your path to safety is clear. All right? All right, have an escape route and plan in mind. Evacuate regardless of whether others agree to follow. All right? It, it's kind of crazy, but it becomes almost saving your own tail, all right? But that, that, there's a lot of different variables that are thrown into that, whether your kids or your wife or, you know, we're all gonna start to think about a lot of things. Leave your belongings behind. There have been multiple people who have been involved in an active shooter situation that have been holding cell phones, holding money, holding purses, holding all these things that can be replaced. Leave your stuff. Leave it where it's at. If it's not in your hand, don't take it. Uh, help others escape if possible, right? If somebody's injured or somebody's hit, unfortunately, you've got to leave them there, all right? Because if I go down, how many people is it going to take to get me up? You're not going to pick me up. <laughs> You're probably not going to pick me up. But together, it probably take two or three of you guys. you got to leave those people behind, all right? Prevent individuals from entering an area where an active shooter may be. Keep your hands visible. Follow instructions of police officers. Do not attempt to move wounded people. Call 911 only when you're safe. That three or four seconds or a minute can mean the difference in survival or not. So your job is to run and get to an area whether that area is a, a room that you can barricade or off the premises. All right, yes sir. I was just gonna say somebody like me the pastor of the Dome senior go through, run is not an option. Right. It's just not an option. As much as you want to, running's not an option. Right. And for them to duck down in the queues is difficult and it's almost not an option. Right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit your point right there and bring something up. How many pastors do we have in here? Are you in the fight? Somebody comes into your congregation and starts shooting. Are you involved in that? Can't be. Can't be. This is what we talk about. Who ever watches football? Usually, when you're watching your favorite football team and your quarterback gets his leg folded in half, what do you say? There goes my season. Imagine if a pastor gets involved and something happens to them. You're gonna tear away at the very continu or the, the continuity of that church. It's like taking your leader out or taking your company commander out. It just, you, you can't be part of the fight. You've gotta let your security team deal with that. That's what they're for, right? If you take the, if you take the leader out, it's, it's gonna tear away at the fiber of that church. That's my opinion. All right. What about the rule here? 
occupants will be only got three, four, one that's been trained. Right. You know. So if you have two, right? So I've, I've trained a bunch of uh, congregations that are 30 to 60. Put one person in the front that takes you out of there, and one person in the back, right? So, it, it, you know, just you're saying then strategically plant, uh, place what absolutely you okay. So, in every church that I go train, like we did when I got here, we picked out a safe room in the back, something where I can take you and put you in and defend, right? So, I barricade the door, I'm taking care of you, I'm letting my security guys take care of the rest, all right. And volunteers, I have 550 to 600 people in congregation every Sunday. Do you know how hard it is for me to get volunteers for a security team? And then you know, I go to some churches and they're like, yeah, our security team's like 30. So, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to leverage your volunteers, but sometimes you really have to ask. You have to say, will you just be part of this? You know, because I need you. I need you to take care of this church and help me guard these people. Right? And most of the time people will do it. Right? All right. If evacuation is not possible, find a place to hide where an active shooter is less likely to find you. Should be out of the active shooter's view. All right. If you get behind a door that has glass on it, cover that glass with something. All right. Very important in the kids' areas. It's extremely important. You should have window treatments on every one of your windows whether it's a blind or a curtain, because you just don't want people looking in, right? So I tell you, I'm not the guy that goes and spends, I won't come to your church and say, we need $10,000 just to get you started. I'm not that guy, all right? You gotta start at the lowest level and do the best you can with what you have. What's, what costs 99 cents that you can put in almost every one of your classrooms where the door swings in and use as an asset to you? Somebody said it. Oh, look at that. I carry one in my bag. Doorway. Nine nonsense. Throw it on the ground, kick it up under the door. All right? Because I, I can probably kick a door open, but if that's under and I test it on the linoleum or the carpet or whatever your flooring is and it sticks, I'm not going to be able to kick that door open. I just won't. So hang it on a, hang it on a, a little iron, put it in a manila envelope by the door, and just when you need it, kick it up under that door. So what do you do if the door swings out? What do you think you can do? I've got pictures of this. I'm just a little excited and early. Stick an eyeball through the stud. Take a piece of cable from the hardware store and make a loop on the end of it. You can wrap it around the door handle. When they pull it, it grabs. All right. I never understand the whole opening outward door thing. Or you can put a drop bar on there. You have a bar on a hinge, have two L brackets on the door, it just drops and hooks in. It's easy too. So do something. If you don't do it anywhere else, do it in your children's area. All right. Uh, provide protection if shots are fired in your direction. Um, don't restrict your options for movement. Lock the door, blockade the door. Silence your cell phones or pagers, man. It doesn't matter if an atomic bomb went off in Statesboro right now, people would be, the first thing they grab is their phone. Just put it to the side. 
try not to whisper and talk and call somebody or whatever. You, you've got to just let it go, all right? Turn off any source of noise, hide behind large items and remain quiet. So if we came into, let's just say that this, we were in this room, active shooter kicks off, all right? We lock the doors, we kick our little wedges up under the door. Where's the best place in this room to get? This area here, all right, why? From the doors, away from the doors, right? Window really doesn't hurt because it's on a second level and it's kind of diagonal to another one, so really not a big deal. All right, so yeah, this corner would be good. All right, door stops. There's my little eye bolt. You can run it through a run it through a stud if you don't have concrete. All right, there's there's ways to do it. There's no need to spend large amounts of money to get a positive and effective results as your safety security program. <clears throat> Who here knows how their door is swinging in and out? Who's looked at it? All right, good to know. I was just going to ask, I'm, I'm the one a lot of times that's in the front vestibule. We lock every other door in our whole facility and we leave that front door open and there's somebody there. But if somebody were, I've often thought, if somebody came in and took me out, should I like yell as I'm going down or something like that? Call 911 or intruder or something like that. Would that be the thing to do? I mean, if they're directly in front of you, it's not going to matter. I mean, you, if you can yell and scream, you don't have to be quiet. You know, you yeah. just do whatever you've got to do. But just you notice. Yeah. How big is your church? 400, 300 every Sunday. Okay. One of the unique things is about sanctuaries, man. There's really not much you can do. Get as low to the ground, and the guys that are inside defend. I mean, that's it. Because when you're talking about persons with disabilities, children, I mean, there's just there's not much you can do. So you've got to come up with a plan where you, like <clears throat> this church here, where you have multiple entrances. You know, maybe we lock down those couple of outside entrances and have that only that middle one open. But I'm gonna tell you, expect pushback. Because the person that has come through that same door for the last 10 years, if they can't come through that door on 10 years in one day, they're gonna be upset, yep. all right? But I will tell you, it, it is a learned response. They will get used to it. You just, sometimes you have to get up there and tell them, hey, we're gonna be going through a new security program we're going to be making some changes in light of the things that are going on in our country. So expect some changes. Entrances are the most critical thing. You have to be able to train your, your, your staff, help them understand what somebody potentially that wants to do harm looks like, and then funnel your traffic. Funnel your traffic. I've been, I was in a church... Uh, Calvary Baptist Temple in Savannah has 22 acres, no, 44 acres and 19 buildings, all right? I mean, massive undertaking. 400 kids in their school, massive undertaking, all right? So you have to make changes. And then fight, take action against the active shooter as a last resort, and only when your life is in you know, imminent danger. Look, if you roll up on an active shooter and you turn the corner and you see somebody standing where he is and he holds a gun, he's holding a gun, what is, what's the first thing you need to do? 
close that distance. You get as close to that person as you possibly can. Right? Because if you turn and run, they're probably just going to shoot you in the back. So you close that distance to that person that has that gun. Because it's a whole lot harder to shoot somebody when they're right up on you versus when they're standing off of you. So that's the first thing you need to do. Close that distance. All right? You grab that gun. You wrap your hand around that, that upper slide. You got. You just gave yourself a chance. All right? All right. Acting as aggressively as possible against him or her. Throwing items and improvising weapons, yelling, committing to your actions. Don't second guess yourself. Never second guess yourself. Never put your hand on your weapon and figure out, am I gonna pull this weapon out and point at somebody? If you're gonna carry it, you need to be willing to use it. All right? 10% of your congregation is, is carrying a weapon. I'm telling you they are. 3% or less will pull that weapon out and point at somebody. So those of you who are worried about crossfire, I'm going to tell you, I'd rather take my chance for crossfire than not having anything. All right? So just keep that in mind. Your people are coming. They're going to carry your church, regardless of what the church standing is on Georgia law, which we're going to talk about. They're going to carry it. That's just the way it is. All right? But most of them will not pull their weapon. How to react when law enforcement arrives? Remain calm and follow the officer's instructions. Put down anything that's in your hand. How many people have been shot here in this right here? Put it down. As you can tell, I hate cell phones. Mainly because of my 15 year old, but I hate them. <laughs> All right. Put your cell phone down. Immediately raise your hands and spread your fingers. All right. Keep hands visible at all times. Avoid making quick movements toward officers, such as holding on to them for safety. All right, that's what I would do. I would probably grab them and hug them. And I'm just joking. <laughs> Avoid pointing, screaming, or yelling. Do not stop to ask officers for help. Just follow the directions. That's all you have to do. If you barricade yourself in a building, in a, in a room like this, who is the only, and I mean the only people that can clear you out of a room. Police. Police officer. Not the pastor, not the security team, not a firefighter, not your mom. Secure police officers. Somebody's gonna ask it. How do you know it's a police officer? You can't see them. They police. Hey, nine one one? I'm in a room and there's an officer outside my door that says his last name is Jones and his badge number is this. Is he with you? Yeah, you're all clear. That's the way you get out of your room. Because I can easily take that pastor and have a gun to the back of his head because I know that my ex-wife is in this room and get to whatever I need to get to. Make sense? There's checks and balances for that. And all this stuff should be included in your operating procedure. All right. How are they gonna have time to pick up that phone and call somebody when they're in there trying to get them out? And, you know what I'm saying? They, they will. That most most police agencies know that that is a, a natural reaction to somebody beating on their door by law enforcement. Most of the ones I talk to, at least. So, but I, I would I'll, 
I don't care, I would still do it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we tell our ladies to, to not pull over in a rural area in the middle of the night if you see blue light behind it. It's just kind of one of those things. I mean, I'll take that chance, you know. I'll, I'll add on that. Uh, in Georgia, with our enhanced 911 system we have, we have what's called CAD sheets. And the minute anything is automatically logged in, so any officer that is there, dispatch is already, 90% of the time, they're not even going to ask the officer if he's that person. They're going to know that officer's there and what that officer's doing. So that, and that's all, that's automatically logged in on the computer. It's, you know, time, I mean, they're, that's just safeguards that's already in place across the whole state. All right. Any questions on active shooter stuff? Any questions on active shooter? Look, implement your active shooter program, but put it on paper. Because if something happens in your church, what do you think the first thing the insurance is going to ask for? I want to see your operating procedures. I want to see your security manual. That's what they're going to ask for. And then that's just going to give them a reason not to cover the incident that went on in your church. Okay. The days of well, it's just by mouth, it's just by word, and we just tell each other what we're going to do. Those days are gone. I can provide you with that. All right. If you want it, I've got it for you. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some indicators. So category one, these are indicators that just should be closely monitored where you're engaging this person and you're talking to them and you're, you're kind of finding out what their intent is. But how do we engage people in a, in a church? Two on one. Always two on one. All right. Radios are a major asset in a church. You got to have them. And you got to have radios that are effective. Okay. So talkabouts work good, but they can be defeated. All right. And I'm not some doomsday prepper or some paranoid kind of guy. I just, I like to have equipment in my church that's going to work. And I know when I pick it up, it's going to do what I need it to do. So. <clears throat> You engage somebody, you call on the radio, hey, John, I'm over here in uh, East Wing and, and I'm about to go up and talk with this guy. Can you come meet up with me so that we can go engage you? Always two people, no matter what. You don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what kind of unknown variable you're dealing with, all right? Like I said, I'm pretty big, I'm pretty strong, but there's guys that you know, could, could do some damage to me just because of maybe what's going on in their life. All right, so complaints about church standing on high-level issues, abrupt behavioral shift, desires, control. Basically what that means is you ever seen somebody that tried to control you with their eyes where they're trying to push you into a corner or pull you, draw you out of a building, especially the ladies, right? Try to, hey, well, can we come out here and, and talk? Can you come outside the building and talk? And all he's doing is drawing you out, trying to pull you out into his area so that he can control the situation. Appears frustrated with church leadership and ideals, experiences personal crisis. Where did we see that? What time period did we see that? Maybe around 2008, 2009, the recession when people were losing their houses and getting divorces and losing their jobs. If it happens again, it's gonna be right in your backyard, all right? Demonizes others, they're reclusive, have strange habits or peculiar discussions. 
this this is where you just need to engage that person, right? You can separate mission and security. You can do it. Some people are not like it, but you can do it. I would rather turn one person away and have the safety of my church than I would not want to hurt somebody's feelings. Right? All right, this is where you need to probably have the, the non-emergency number to the police station handy. All right, you give them a call, say, hey, we've got, we've got this person here who's acting kind of strange, and can you just get somebody to come over here and, and kind of take a look? Or if you have a uniform, all-duty police officer on your campus, they're a great asset, right? Verbally defends radical. Yes, sir. I was just going to mention something else, too, on that. Sure. We... In my situation, we thought because they didn't do anything the second and third time they came, we didn't have no reason to call. But I had learned, you know, I learned through this experience, it was because of what he did on the first one was a threat. I'm taking, or he said, I'm taking this out. I would venture to say he came to your church to see what he could do the first time. Mm -hmm. And then he came back the second and third time because he didn't think you are going to do anything. Yeah, and so uh, I've learned from that. And so you've got to dial that number. Don't, don't, be, don't be scared to do it. Do it. Yep. I agree with it. Speaks about seeking revenge. Associates with persons who have extremist beliefs, exhibits intolerance. Personally connected to a grievance. We had two deacons in my church absolutely beat the heck out of each other one morning during service. Because one of them was hooked up with the other one's wife. Happens when you least expect it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, one of the deacons had a concealed carry on him too, but he didn't. He didn't pull it out. So intense ideological rhetoric, attempts to recruit others, and then the last one. I kind of. I just want to ask: If somebody's walking through your church with a Quran, does that mean that they're a bad person? Is it a good reason to engage them and find out what their intent is? Absolutely. Maybe they're just searching. Maybe they're not. But if I come to conduct training, I'm going to teach you what that looks like. I'm having to shove a lot of stuff in just an hour and 15 minutes. So. All right, and then this is where somebody needs to be on 911. Somebody needs to say that distress word. People need to know what to do, all right? Advocates violence as a solution to problems, verbal hatred for religion or church. Exhibit sudden interest in key personnel. If you have somebody walk up to you and say, hey, where's Pastor Jones? Don't deliver them to him. Don't deliver anybody to your pastor or to any of the leadership. You get on the radio, you call another person, you find out what they need. Right? When you hand deliver somebody, that's just asking for trouble. Right? And while I'm on that, who does counseling in here? Who conducts counseling? Counseling behind closed doors can turn bad really, really quick. I can talk to my husband like that, but you're not going to. Now you're behind closed doors with two combative people. Be really, really careful with counseling. It makes threatening gestures or verbal threats. All right? Yes, sir. That's the true rep, what you just said. In our church, um, we had two good um, people. Um, they got a divorce, and the wife was seeking counseling for the pastor. And, of course, um, the husband, well, ex-up now, didn't like that. And, and came up to the church and he had a welcome and you know put everybody on alert you know so yeah. and so let's learn from us that you know hey pastor you stay out of it 
give them professional guidance, you know, so that they, she or he can seek that counseling, but you stay out of it. That's right. What can happen? And we're gonna, and you're going to put that in your operating procedures, right? And then the pastor's going to say, "Hey, I'm going to go into this training session or this counseling session. Maybe talk to a secretary and say, in 20 minutes, I'm not out here. Just knock on the door. Just, just check on me, or put a distress button in the in the uh, the pastor's office. All right, one little button calls the cavalry. Right. All right." I know that this is an active shooter class, but I really, I got a lot of, I just, I feel like I want to stuff as much in here as I can. All right, so layer security. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Basically what layer security is, is it's implementing security controls at different layers so that a person that wants to cause harm has to go through those multiple layers in order to get to what potentially their target is. All right, so example of my church, we have golf cart drivers. You can exit it. You can uh, imagine my excitement when I pulled in here and saw golf cart drivers out in the parking lot, right? They need to be taught on the indicators and behaviors of people, all right? So our, our security starts where? In our parking lot, all right? Then it goes to our greeters. The good thing is, is we got these little radios right here, and I'm on a golf cart, and I say, hey, these two people are fighting in the car, and they're, they just got out of the car, and they're headed your direction. Well, the greeter's going to get to size them up and see what's going on. And then the next people inside the, the church are who? Our security team. So our security team gets a look. And then our cameras get a look. And then our off-duty police officers get a look. And by that time, if they've made it through every one of those layers, something's probably not going to happen. All right? Trained personnel put in strategic places so that people have to go through multiple layers combination of these systems can drastically reduce the opportunity for a serious incident to occur. You are always going to have to assume some risk, but you can control where you're going to assume that risk, whether that's leaving a couple of doors open because of handicapped people or, or you don't have enough volunteers to cover one door, but whatever it may be you're not going to be able to cover everything 100% of the time. That's unrealistic expectations. But you can drastically reduce what can happen in your church if you start changing your mindset, being situationally aware. And when I come to your church and I start talking to you about situational awareness and baseline behavior <clears throat> and indicators, the great thing is, is it works the same in a church as it does at the grocery store, you know? Maybe you shouldn't go to the grocery store in January at 7.30 when it's pitch black outside. doesn't mean that you're, you're being paranoid. You're just taking into consideration the factors that can put yourself in harm. All right. All right, so here's a church. It's Noonday Baptist Church. I just used it as an example. Who here has a bunch of woods around their church? When's the last time you walked out there? Took a look. Saw what was in there. I've been to a couple of churches where there have been people like sleeping out in the woods. Just take a walk. Just take a walk, take a friend, go out there and look around. All right, so these are typically, um, this one right here, this is the playground. And these two are kind of the main entrances, gatherings of people, because everybody, like all good Baptists, we like to gather at the front door and 
chit chat and talk and hang out and visit, right? So those are kind of the large gatherings of people. So here's my first layer. I've got my golf cart drivers out there, or if you don't have golf carts, stick a guy out there in the parking lot acting as a greeter, but he's really kind of watching and seeing what's going on. Then your next level will be your greeters at your door. And then as you get into the, the church, by paying special attention to your children's area because they've got a whole different set of rules than everybody else. We start to add our cameras and our, our security team and the people that are watching, all right? Who's in the know? Who needs to know what you're doing in church? Only the people that need to know. That's all that. They don't need to know who's carrying and who's this and who's that, all right? It just needs to be, and you need to pick the right people for your security team. Because as you start to go back to the engagements that you have, you don't want that ex-deputy sheriff or that ex-Marine or ex-Army guy who just thinks that, well, I was in the military, I, I know how to do security. Or I grew up on my daddy's farm, I know how to shoot a gun. You know? Maybe that's not the guy that you want interacting with. Right, because we want to be good stewards of, of our church and what we're trying to do. All right, who comes to churches and why? People in disparity looking for handouts, monetary or asset support or counseling. Many will relate the words Baptist or ministry to support, and based on the knowledge that what changes hands every Sunday? Money. Money. And churches are really, really good about handing off that $10,000 to the little old lady that works in the office and she takes it to the bank on the, during the week. It's a bad decision, right? So it, it'll, it'll start to question the, the ability of your church. And I just, I just gave 10% of my check and now somebody stole it because they didn't have the right kind of security in place, right? Any questions on that? So position-wise, if you're limited with personnel, do you have like a priority of where you put that personnel? If you're, like you say, part of it first. Well, you're, you're, I would put my high-speed guy on the inside. I mean, anybody can look at cars. And anybody, I mean, if you, if you teach them about what to look for, anybody can kind of be out there doing that. I would put my real good person on the inside, right? And then, you know, but volunteers are just so few and far between. You got to use what you can use, right? Broadcasting your services on social media obviously can make it easy for a lot of people to see exactly what the interior of your yes. church looks like, especially your sanctuary. What's your thoughts on that? So I don't like to broadcast anything that has to do with any security, right? As far as events. No, just 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 your services as a whole. I mean, like a I know the Facebook layout of the inside of yeah. the church and where the pastor. You're not going to be able to get past that. Basically, yeah, what we're getting at, all of this kind of packaged together, is if if somebody walks into our church, we want them to look at our church and see that we criminals are There's two types of criminals: criminals that set out to cause harm. And what's the other one? Targets of opportunity, right? So we want people to look at our churches and see that we have things set in place 
and move on to the next place. Right? It's called making ourselves a hard target. Right? So some of that you're not really going to get around. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take a lot of pictures and just freely post them on everything. You're probably going to cover this, and I don't see what the next topic is. But what about people who are technically not approved to be carriers in the church, but they're carriers? Well, there's there's very specific rules and there's a lot of gray area. And before I start this, I want you guys to know that regardless of what your sheriff's department or what people have told you, our corporate attorney in our building helped draft this law. So I'm going to tell you exactly what it says and I'm going to tell you exactly what it means. And I will bet I will put everything on it that I am right. I, I'm that confident about it. I've studied this law, gone through this law. There's so many different variations of it out there. I'm going to tell you exactly what it says, okay? Because this is where I get a lot of my talk. Nobody cares about that shooter. They want to know if they can carry a gun or not. All right. So Georgia concealed carry law, also known as House Bill 60 or guns everywhere. This is what it says. Under Georgia law, House Bill 60, or the State Carry Protection Act, guns are not allowed in places of worship unless the governing body votes to allow it. Here's what that means. Number one, it is an all or nothing law. So either all of your church can carry or nobody can carry. All right? Number two, you cannot by default you are a no concealed carry church or no care i'm sorry no carry church unless you vote to be a carry church now i didn't say carry church because georgia is a non-traditional carry open carry so in order to open carry you still have to have a permit if anybody has a permit in here you'll see it says nothing about concealed on it says georgia carry license all right just say that again if you take no vote no if you don't church. vote, mm -hmm. you're a no-carry church. Mm -hmm. Your governor's authority does say if they say yes. Does it say concealed on it? Not, uh, Georgia weapons carry. I'm just reiterating what you say. Yeah. Yes, sir. Does that apply for us when it be a personal vehicle, even though this vehicle is on the front church property? It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same what thing. It says for the it's still, it's still, yeah, it's still considered property, private right. property, so. There's some gray area in here, and I'm going to go over all this. All right, it's, it can be very, can be very confusing sometimes. One, one more time. Yes, sir. So if I'm in my car, it's considered it's considered concealed. Okay. Yeah. Even though that says in a place of worship. Well, it's the the place of worship extends out to the property because you still hold events on the property. Right. Okay. That's that property. No. It's property. Yeah, so just to be safe, it, it extends to the property, right? So let's say that we're doing like Oktoberfest and we have pumpkins and all that stuff. It, it, it extends out to the parking lots and to the property. Okay, so all or nothing, a pastor or a governing body cannot say we're a no concealed carry church or a no carry church, but you, you, and you can carry. They can't do that, all right? My way around that is whoever your governor body is, if it's the church, then 
that lends itself to an interesting situation. If it's the pastor or say like the deacon committee, if you vote to be a, a carry church, you don't have to get up in front of the sanctuary and say, I just want everybody to know that we're, or we're a carry church and just everybody can carry. So that's how I get around that, right? Need to know, need to know basis. Yes, sir. Question for all. Since I just found out that whether you inside the building or out of the property cannot carry, but what if you do know that people are carrying in their carpet in their vehicle? I'm going to go through that. Okay. All right. All right. So, persons found in possession are subject to a $100 fine and a misdemeanor. Here's the interesting part about that Can a police officer, by law, ask you if you're carrying concealed? No, he cannot. Can a security person? Yes. Can they do anything? No. All right. So a law enforcement officer has to have probable cause in order to stop you. And whether it's officer safety or whatever it may be, if they find a weapon on you, that's where the $100 fine and the misdemeanor comes in. If you do it again within five years, it becomes a felony. All right. The law is all or none. We talked about the 10% rule. All right. Georgia is a non-traditional carry state, which means if you have a person come into your church and they're open carry, they have to have a permit, okay? But we don't want that, right? Because what's everybody in the congregation gonna be doing rather than listening to the pastor? That's right. So I kind of package it like this. Hey, we're glad that you're here with us this Sunday and uh, we appreciate you coming by. I don't, I don't know you, but my name is so-and-so. Um, I see that you got an open carry there. We don't want to discourage learning or worshiping in our congregation. Um, so do you mind taking that and putting it either in your vehicle or taking it home and coming back and joining us? And I promise you, 98% of the time they're gonna do it, right? So that's that's what you can do for that. Let's say if you have um, like officers, you know, they come to service before they go on the duty, but they're in their, um, I guess, detective uniform. Yeah, that, that really wouldn't bother me, to be honest with you. You have to, but again, I go back to you have to do what's good for your church. You have to do what fits for your, if it becomes a problem and you're seeing that it's discouraging learning, then I'd probably say something to them. All right. All right. So that's kind of where, you know, like, a police officer can't ask you unless there's PC, but then you see how it's kind of got some gray area in there, right? Georgia is a standard ground state, so read up on that. What does concealed mean? Concealed does not mean going out and buying a full frame 50 cal Desert Eagle and try to stick it up under your shirt like nobody sees it. All right. <laughs> People try to do it. It means carried in such a fashion that does not actively solicit the attention of others and is not predominantly, openly, or intentionally displayed except for the purposes of defense or the defense of others. Conceal it, right? It means under, under your clothes or whatever it is that you, however you carry it. But in South Georgia, it gets hot in September, right? So... What are some ways that you can carry concealed in a church, but not wear a jacket? I, I had a beacon that brought a Bible. Totally. That's exactly what I do. 
I carry it in my Bible case. And my security guys will go, hey man, got your Bible? I'm going to say, yeah, my Bible. Right? Nobody knows the difference because I can bring my phone, I can bring my Bible up on my phone. Right? Plus I can carry a couple extra magazines and, you know, if I need to get down, I can. Alright, so come up with creative ways. If you're going to carry concealed in a church, Put it in the concealed posture either before you get to church or carry it in in a bag and then put it on your body. All right? Because now you're going to have that guy in the parking lot and he's going to know if you're carrying concealed or not. Okay? All right. I feel like I'm missing something. Georgia law. I feel like there's something I missed. You said that you would touch on vehicles, concealing the vehicles or something like that. Say that one more time. You mentioned he asked about someone they wanted to read. Yeah. How would you handle that situation? Well, you know they bring if it if it's not if it's in a vehicle and it's out in the parking lot, I'm not really gonna be worried about it too much. I'm more worried about the people that have it on their body. But again, it goes back to you have to do what's best for your church. Here are the, the, the states that honor your, your Georgia carry permit. Anybody know the last holdout? South Carolina. Thank you, South Carolina. Let me ask you this. It's on there, though. They were the, they they just joined. Oh, they just joined. Yeah, okay. they were a, whole, a last holdout. Okay. Gotcha. If you're traveling and you travel with a weapon in your car, I got you right here. Okay. So I just went to Sturgis. Got back last week. Where is it? South Dakota. Whatever your in destination is are the rules that you have to follow. I mean, you got to follow the rules of the state that you're carrying in. But my in destination was South Dakota, so that's where I, that's what I was worried about, right? So you can travel through a state, but your in your in destination is the one that you're worried about. Okay. Clarify the difference between concealed and non-concealed when you're traveling in a vehicle. Okay, so if I'm traveling from Georgia to Kentucky, so the best thing that you can do when you're carrying is magazine in one part of your car, weapon in another part. So maybe weapon in your trunk, magazine in your glove box. And I'll tell you, most police officers, are you in law enforcement? Okay. So most law enforcement officers, if you don't let off that you're trying to hide something or you keep your hands on the steering wheel, right, you're not going to have any trouble. But the best thing that you can do is break that weapon up with the ammo in one spot and the weapon in another. All right. Does that, does that help? We'll talk okay. Because I know, like, going through New York or something like that can be. All right. All right. So, the ability to secure your personnel and assets will continue to become more important and challenging in the future. The need to be creative when implementing security strategies will improve postures and help mitigate the possibility of problems that may arise through the use of planning, education, and training. Last thing I want to tell you is if you vote to be a carry church, right? 
and you pull your weapon out and you shoot and kill somebody or hurt somebody. That's a lot different than if you're a no-carry church and you pull your weapon out and you shoot or kill or hurt somebody. Because I will tell you, you may, may not be criminally liable, but civil court is going to take you to the cleaners and your insurance is going to take you to the cleaners. So you have to, I'm just saying, my personal opinion is that you should, I'm not going to worry about crossfire in a church because most people are not going to pull their weapon out and I would take that chance. I'd rather take that chance than show up at a gunfight with nothing. And you need to have it on paper. So, so your recommendation is then to become a carry church? Yes, sir. The, I, I'm not giving you legal advice. Right. I'm just saying, my church, if it's my church, we're going to carry. Question about that. I mean, it comes to mind, if your church votes to be a carry church, what ramification does that have for the church's liability insurance? You need to talk to your insurance company oh, about that. That's the first call I would make before I voted, mm -hmm. right? Second question. Okay. Once you agree to being a hearing church, responsibility for training your security team falls on the church or falls on the individual or both? I, if I had a team like this, which this team in this church is excellent, and I'm not just saying that, I mean that, all my guys would be training together. And then I would throw in stuff like speakers in their ears and throw in some variables that gets them off kilter a little bit. When we're shooting, we'd shoot together, we'd rehearse together, we'd train together. But you gotta remember, that's the lifestyle I came from. So that's all I know. So how many hours a week, how many hours? There's no set, no set no there's no set. And I'll tell you, I'll come, I'll come train with your church. I'll do your training outline and I'll come train with them. And we'll shoot and we'll do whatever we need to do. All right? I will say one thing on the training that, that we do here, I think we do a good job of is, on, on the other side of it is medical. Um, it's gotta do, be hand in hand. We do CPR, AED, basic yep. first aid, stop the flow. Yep. Um, because you know, a lot of the responses that we've yep. had it's 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 a medical situation. So I'll tell you when we go to the uh, when we go to the annual convention this year, this is the first year that I'm in charge of the security. I've got medevac grid coordinates where I can land a helicopter. I've got casualty collection points. I've got triage points, and it's all listed out. And we're all going to know about it before we get there. <clears throat> it just takes one time for you to put it down on a piece of paper, you know, and you've got an asset here that has some stuff already built that I can just give you and let you run with it. And then you can send it back to me and we can we can go, kind of go through it together. All right, Mr. Steve. I, I was just gonna say, um, at my previous church, we were with Church Mutual, I believe it is in church. And, and uh, we called them because we went through some of this process of getting approval from a governing part of the body for to be a carrying or not carrying. And mm -hmm. they said that they would cover us as a carrying congregation as long as the church approves it. So they would or would not? They would. They would. They would. An active shooter now. Yeah. Or, or any other form that you need to defend yourself on your ground. I also want to, uh, defending yourself, that's the part I missed. OCGA 16321 says every, Georgia, every person in Georgia has the right to defend themselves and the life of others. All right? So 
kind of think of that hand in hand it goes hand in hand with House Bill 60. Yes, our church I'm coming is to carry you. church. And what we did with our insurance was uh, anyone that wants to carry, uh, they submitted paperwork to the church and it, we do a background check. And as long as you are have submitted that paperwork to the church, if an incident happens, then you cover with the liability. On the other hand, if you're not, then you get into a into a, uh, you know, a confrontation, and you're not under that. You're not covered under the liability. Yeah, my first call is going to be to the insurance company. Yeah, so that's how we, you know, we got our, we got together with our insurance company, and they said this is like the conditions. As long as they they have a background check on file. And everybody that carries has a background check on, on file. And that paperwork needs to be folded up and locked in a safe somewhere. Right. One other thing, Ben, if somebody does come in and technically they're not approved, but they are carrying with the technically they're breaking the law because they're not supposed to come into right. with a concealed weapon, correctly. But they pull it out and you that you cover that. Um, my, my question is, how does that fall back on the church? I mean, some of it is church liability. Some of it is is person liability. Uh, yeah, some people are gonna. Hey, Brian. Says I, some uh, will be scared to death. Pull it out, but others will pull it out in a heartbeat. That's right. Uh, uh, Harry, I mean, but again, I'm I'm willing to take that chance, and I think that at the end of the day, I think the liability is going to fall on the individual. You know, if you're a, if you have not voted or you voted to not be a carry church, that liability is going to fall on that person. Arlene, y'all copy that? Better be judged by 12 and carry my seat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Careful. The, that, that law you said, Georgia, I mean, 16321. 16321. I do want to show y'all. I know I've got just a couple more minutes, or maybe I'm over. Emergency response manuals, right? I can give you this, a sterile copy of it that doesn't have any of the mission board stuff, but this is the one we use at our building. Uh, civil disturbance. Sir? Do you have a page on the GBC site? Uh, I have my card. You can send me an email. I can't be. You don't have up on the I Georgia do. Baptist yet? Yeah, but I don't, I don't distribute this. I distribute okay. this to individuals at churches, not, to, not for the world to see. Uh, active shooter, tornado. Inclement weather is a huge one, right? Uh, medical response, hostage situations. Uh, you would have to add the children stuff, right? So suspicious persons, missing child, abducted child, you know, stuff like that. And then I've got my little cards right here, right? For my, my security guys, they're the only ones that have them. On the back, it says it has, in case of a fire, Use of a fire extinguisher, active shooter, medical response, and then it's got codes on the front, all right? And if your security team is trained up and they have this little card in their pocket on Sunday morning, and then they turn it back in at night with their radio, so it should be controlled, all right? Because you don't want the general population to have this, all right? It, it, it's just little things, little things that can really change the way. They have a great book, a great little flip book. I mean, do something. Doesn't matter. Just do something. Get some kind of of plan together. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Oh, I do. Does your security? Oh, I'm so excited. 
Does your security team open carry? I will not let them open carry. I'm sorry? I will not let them open carry. That's just discouraging. I mean, when I see somebody in Walmart open carry, I just like, I'm not even going to be around you. It also significantly elevates the yeah, likelihood. It just causes problems. Yes, sir? Think of, be surprised if the lady book carries a weapon in the turkey. Or someone talking, you're safe, sir. Yes. Once you drop her purse, it goes off and shoots somebody. That's that's his brand. No, save the hard one for last, why don't you? <laughs> hey, thank y'all for coming to my class. I appreciate it.